0: M and K Talkway now presents Blue Lily Lily Blue, part two of the Raven Cycle by Maggie Steve Otter.
1: to another episode of
0: M&K Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week we finished the third book in the Raven Cycle called Blue Lily, Lily Blue. And this is by Maggie Otter.
1: And there's only one book left now.
0: Yeah, it's a, quadrolo- a quadrology as we call mm-hmm. it. What's the real yeah. word again? I always forget.
1: Ah, uh, Tetralogy. Ugh. Not as exciting.
0: I don't even like it at all. That's a terrible no, name. No, I know.
1: It sounds very <laughs> mathematical.
0: We're going to reinvent English. Okay.
1: <laughs> Come up with some new words, like Shakespeare. Exactly.
0: exactly. <laughs> we're, we're we're just like Shakespeare. Let's make we're some pretty, more comparisons. We're pretty
1: much like Shakespeare.
0: <laughs> okay, so we've talked about this series a little bit, and one of the things we like is the books are all relatively the same. They're like 400-something-ish pages right around that mm-hmm. and what did you think of the second half of this book um well we were introduced to a new character who quickly became
1: my favorite character
0: wait who's the new character i'm gonna pronounce her name wrong Gwenlian? oh G- yes is that okay. her name i i it has two w- or two l's and it's apparently hard to pronounce so i call it gwenny in my mind <laughs> gwenny.
1: i looked up how to pronounce
0: it and now i can't remember it it, it looks like it's pronounced Gwenlian.
1: i like that okay
0: if I call her Gwenny, everyone knows who I'm talking about, right? Totally. <laughs> so she is, what's the other guy's name now? No, I can't, What's the king's name? Gwen. Oh, Glendor. Glendor. That's why. <laughs> Glendor <laughs> She's and Gwen. Glen- Glen- Glendor's illegitimate daughter who was accused of being a witch. And part of her punishment was to be buried or killed and buried, or I guess not killed, put to sleep and buried as like a decoy grave Mm -hmm. and she never fell asleep so for 600 years she's been the one cursing poor jesse's family (laughs) and uh she's a mirror which we learned is what blue actually is yeah or she is that the word for it i guess so she's
1: like a she's like a clairvoyant who amplifies like, like Blue does. Like she
0: amplifies other people's power. Yes, but we all, she kind of shared that Blue has more, it's not just the amplification. And we've seen a bit of that because we've seen her kind of react to Noah and put up mm-hmm. these protections and stuff. But it's kind of an extra, she can like reflect back magic and she's not affected by mirror magic the same way other clairvoyant yeah people in her family are
1: and she describes it as like if you hold a candle up against a mirror it makes the room brighter Mm -hmm. which i liked that that little metaphor um but she was also the one who made noah go berserk at that cave
0: yeah she was the one doing all the cursing she was Mm -hmm. the curse on the cave although oh maybe this was i told marissa right before we started i was like there was something when i was reading it that i was like i need to ask this question i'm so confused and then i forgot what it was already but jesse still died Uh, yeah so how did he die did i miss that did he die in the early squabble when um piper took them down yeah piper shoots him oh i totally maybe that was i just like forgot that that happened later on
1: yeah i mean it was the whole thing was like they were jesse was one of the corpses seen on the corpse road so they knew he was gonna die this year and the whole thing was like if we go into this cave, something might happen that causes Jesse to die. And sure enough, he goes in there and Piper shoots him. And it was like the prophecy was fulfilled, kind of.
0: Yeah. But he we all thought he was going to die because of the curse. So the curse was removed. Right. But Piper went in with a gun and he was guarding yep. it to try to protect people. And she just didn't care.
1: Yeah, because now there's like monsters coming out of the cave, right?
0: Yeah, Which... because we find out that the third sleeper is in there that we're not supposed to wake up. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Because we, okay, okay, I'm getting too far ahead. All right, well,
1: let's, let's go back to G- Lian, <laughs> my favorite character. Okay. She's just so funny. Well, she's hilarious, like she's always singing. and <laughs>
0: Even before she is there, Blue and gainsy have another moment is not even the right word because they have an evening
1: oh yes okay we're going back way back to the beginning yes that's
0: about yeah that's the early that's right where the half was roughly Mm
1: -hmm. they go driving together yeah they go driving
0: (laughs) she still hasn't told him that he's going to die
1: which uh, i fully support that i do not think
0: she should ever tell him that he's going to die because he might not who knows and then he's worried for no reason no i mean i agree i don't think she's I don't blame her for keeping it a secret, but I understand that it's a stressful secret. Yeah. It's like something you don't want to know about someone. Yes, I agree. But that doesn't mean that you should tell them.
1: Yeah, I just, I wouldn't want to know. Would you? No,
0: of course not. <laughs> but I also don't want the person I'm dating to know when I'm going to die and not tell me, or not dating, the per- um, whatever they're doing. The person I'm yeah. riding in the car with, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, that it does feel like a big bit of withholding. I mean, that's where it just gets tricky. It's like, if yeah, I don't think she should tell him, but it's a weird thing if it ever comes out that she didn't tell him at the same time.
1: And I'm sure it will. Don't you think that that's going to happen? Like eventually he's going to find out that she knew and didn't tell him and that's going to be a big thing.
0: Based on my extensive reading of young adult fiction, keeping <laughs> secrets always ends up being an issue down the road, especially in a potential romantic relationship. We've learned one thing. As soon as they get past the Adam thing and everything else, we will finally think they're going to be together and then it'll be revealed that she knew he was going to die. Or he will die. I don't know. Something. (laughs) Something's going to happen.
1: I feel like Adam might not be as upset about her and Gainsey as before he might have been. Like I feel like now he's kind of... He's changed a lot. Oh, he's changed so much as a magician. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's... Really becoming one of, I feel like one of Cala and Persephone and Mara. Like, I forget. Who, oh, it was Persephone who was like, if something happens to one of us, you should replace us. Because he's really become the magician. Mm-hmm. And him and water
0: have become partners. One. Yeah. I would say even more than, or maybe one is the right word, but he hasn't lost himself to Cade's water But they have a much better, like, working relationship now. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. listening. Yes.
1: And Caveswater is like, it's interesting them. the way it's, yeah, prote- mm-hmm. oh my gosh, when that scaffolding fell on him, mm-hmm. that was nuts. Yeah. And then how he can like hear this singing in his deaf ear. Yep. I don't
0: know. It's like. Well, and we also found out about Caveswater. So oh, Caveswater yeah. is trying to connect with other magical forests. Caveswater? Is that the, is that the way you say it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the plural of Caveswater? <laughs> There's more than one is what we found out. Yes and I love that imagery too Kate's daughter was like trying to explain it to Adam and initially it showed some image and Adam wasn't getting it and then it was showing all the connections in his life and his you know the Raven boys and Blue and the group of friends Mm -hmm. and stuff and I just I love that imagery and like hands reaching out and all this stuff and he was like Mm -hmm. oh wow there's more of you and that's what you're trying to do is connect with the rest of you
1: yeah and he goes really deep to figure that out and like Blue has to cut him to bring him back So I'm just, I hope he doesn't lose himself though, because, you know, like he's, he's, he's becoming so unknowable is how he describes it. I just kind of hope he
0: still keeps his human side. I agree. I do think he's getting kind of so much of his identity is becoming the magician or Cade's water. You know, I mean, yes, I agree. And I do think at some point, we don't have an issue yet, but Cade's water and what we want may not be the same thing at the end of the day yeah that's true
1: i would yeah oh gosh i just have no idea what's gonna happen in this book (laughs) i
0: know and i really like that
1: me too oh the other thing we learned about adam is that um he finally closed the case against his dad yes which i was worried about because when his father shows up and tries to get him to to uh, call off the charges, I was so worried because I was like, "Oh my gosh, don't listen to him, Adam!" Like, of course they'll believe you. Like, you need. I was worried that Adam would kind of give up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really glad when he didn't, and I loved whenever Ronan and Gainesy show yep. up in the courtroom and they, you know, bear witness, and he like finally has this moment where he realizes that like Gainesy has just been trying to help him all along, and it's not pity that he's mm-hmm. giving him. It's just true friendship. And I, I love that he had that moment and like finally Yes. Realised it.
0: And I I know that doesn't make it not complicated anymore, but yes, I was glad he could accept that part especially. Mm-hmm. But it was also interesting because his encounter with his dad before the trial that's kind of when he went to Cade's Water and realized Cade's Water would protect like it went from being water only came to him in, like, a negative way, sort of. Mm-hmm. And Cadeswater sort of transitioned to this, I'll protect you if you help me, kind of a tit-for-tat or mm-hmm. whatever relationship. Yeah. But, yeah, that was good. Okay, so anyways, going back. So, Gainsey and Blue got into a little weirdness because they got really close and then got into a fight that they didn't even know about. Yep. And then the next day, they went into Jesse's cave – to try to find their king. But what did they find? My favorite character.
1: Lian. <laughs> I love when they were looking for. um, When they were like almost ready to open the coffin. Because it felt so important. And, and Gainsey like wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And I felt like that was so true. Because he was just like no it shouldn't be like this. Like there should be a clue that leads to another clue. That finally leads to the king. Like it almost felt too easy. Mm-hmm. And I think a. Big part of him is really just enjoying the process of being on a quest, not necessarily finding the object or finding Glendor. Like the end of the quest, it feels like that isn't even his goal. He's just enjoying the process so much.
0: He's enjoying the journey. Well, because I think he can't think about what comes next yet, right? Like everything is towards this goal, but he can't think about what happens after that goal. So he doesn't, he kind of doesn't want to reach it yet. He doesn't want it to end. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but then they open the coffin and... They get a crazy girl. Poor (laughs) Gwenlyon. She's been lying awake for 600 years. No wonder she's nutty. Making the walls cry and
0: killing off Jesse's parents. (laughs) And just like singing to herself. She is a funny character and I love how Persephone's like, she's staying with us. And Cal is like, no way. And... (laughs) You know, Gangsy's like, she can stay with us. And just like, just everything about, like, I just, I love how these crazy things happen and they sort of have these very real life moments in between. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things about this book.
1: I totally agree too. And I think it's, Gwenlian was a really great way for the author to showcase her humor like mm-hmm. she's a really funny writer and that's so hard to do but parts of her parts of it were just making me laugh out loud like um when she was talking about Gwen and she like showed up in Blue's room and she was treasuring a spoon of something that looked horribly like mayonnaise and yeah. she was like or possibly it was
0: hair conditioner <laughs> and they also said something about she was eating like peanut butter on a cold hot dog just like I mean yeah. just yeah, no, she is a funny character, and the way I love how they were like she seemed to know what was going on in the world, except with fashion, or like, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just the the way she talks is just so funny and unexpected, and like you never know what's coming out of her mouth, and I I love that.
0: And she has some kind of strong feminist tendencies as well. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. She is a fun character, especially because we weren't sure if she was good, bad, or what. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we thought we were getting the king and we got his daughter. The legitimate daughter. And then we find out that um, she
1: said Blue's dad, Artemis, was the one who tied her up and put her there. Which yeah. doesn't make sense
0: because it was 600 years ago. Yes, and then we, all, and we met Blue's father and I'm jumping ahead now. So we'll come back to that, but we met him as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go there yet if you don't want to.
0: Yes, no. There's wait. a lot in between. <laughs> okay, so in between, I'm also loving Adam and Ronan's little secret... Oh, yeah plan blackmailing green mantle i don't know i really like their friendship a lot but yes they're trying to blackmail green mantle and create evidence basically to frame him for a crime he didn't commit but convince him we can cause you as much trouble as you can cause us so just Mm -hmm. leave town and they basically do yeah it works he runs away the problem is green mantle's wife piper another interesting character very interesting character is not really interested in the blackmail thing and wants to go (laughs) spelunking yeah (laughs) to summarize
1: like and i don't don't understand what mar what what um piper wants to do like i don't i guess she she wanted to she must really want the gray warren because didn't she go into the cave to try and find mara to use her against
0: the gray man that's where i don't know if she cares about the end goal as much as she cares about well, this is what we were doing, and I've already decided I'm doing this, so I'm not going to abandon my plan. Versus,
1: yeah, I really
0: believe in my plan. Yeah, I like I can't quite. She, she's an interesting character. I can't get her motive. I agree. Yeah,
1: but I just don't understand her motive really. And and the other ones, I kind of get. Like I kind of get Green Mantle's motive. He wants the Gray Warren. But even that's a little murky. Like, we still don't really know what he wanted to do with it other than just collect it. But that seems kind of... Well, that's
0: why, given that, that's why I kind of sort of believed when he abandoned it. And Mm -hmm. it was sort of interesting to me to see them in the cave. Piper's, like, throwing guns around and beating people up and killing people and Mm -hmm. wants to go in herself. And he's like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, bye. (laughs) Yeah. Because I feel like even if you weren't going to do it yourself if your wife is like into it that much and it was something you cared about in the first place i feel like that would be enough to convince me to keep going but instead yeah, he's true. he's still like nope <laughs> <laughs> i want nothing to do with this good luck <laughs> yeah he
1: keeps he keeps like getting more and more certain that henrietta is just a place where he doesn't want to be you know because he sees he comes home one day and sees piper just like staring in the mirror just oblivious to everything and he was like this place is messed up we need to get out of here
0: so do you think she was being possessed by the third sleeper yeah i do okay i'm curious where their house was in relation to this that's a good question. Cuz at first I thought she might be possessed by the same purse the non-sleeper if you will. I can't pronounce it, Gwenny. <laughs> but now I think it might have been the third sleeper.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think I think the third sleeper was maybe trying to lure her in to wake him. And maybe that's why she was so
0: determined to get into the cave. Maybe. That would make sense, right? Okay, so so this is what happens in the last like 30 pages all this stuff happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Persephone dies. They go... Oh, my goodness. They go... No, we can't even talk about it because it's... That's not... We didn't have time to talk about it. We just moved on. Then we went into the cave. (laughs) Callis stayed behind. Everyone else went down. Oh, no. Ronan and Adam went down first to get rid of the wasps, basically. They wake up all the animals.
1: Oh, the skeleton animals. That was my favorite part. No,
0: we can't talk about that either. It's too fast. Um, Blue and Ronan (laughs) go through... There's, like, a magic mirror that... Or lake that blue's able to walk across she leaves Ronan behind they get across she finds her mom and her dad and they <laughs> need a third person to open the store she's gonna get them out of there and then all of a sudden piper and her henchman and the gray man arrive and mm-hmm. i think this is my actual question okay so when she left Ronan, blue when blue left Ronan on the edge of the lake yeah she was like can you get out the way you came or it's or it wasn't when she left him it was after she found out there was another entrance or whatever but she went back and she was like can you get out the way you came and he was like yep yep and we never found out how anyone else got out of this cave (laughs) and i think that's the question i had where i was like how did they find their way out?" i thought like some magic door closed how did they get back out the other way how did ronan get out of there didn't he go the way mara went no because mara came Mara was like, I got in a different way? Yeah, Mara got in the way Piper and the rest of the crew fell in. Oh. So Ronan couldn't cross the lake. I thought he went back out the way they came in, but the way they came in closed, so I was very confused.
1: Right. I was confused too, and I was too distracted by the skeleton animals to pay attention.
0: But we didn't have time because everything was just like, (laughs) did you hear (laughs) my snapping? Yeah, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, it was another one of those. Okay, so I finished the book at work today on my lunch hour. And I like literally had 30 pages left. And I feel like everything happened in the last 30 pages.
1: (laughs) Which is what we've said about the last book too. I know, I know. And every book, yes. So now they have like, so now she has Artemis and she has her mother free. The third sleeper was hypnotizing them into opening the door by promising them things. It promises them a bunch of stuff.
0: And that's where her mirror ability came into handy because she could, like,
1: oh yeah, keep
0: it. She could, like, protect herself and reflect back. Like, apparently you need three people to open the door. Uh, so when she <laughs> got there and her dad and mom were there and, like, in their trance, she was the third person, but she could kind of keep it out. But at the – in the epilogue, can we talk about that for a second? Oh, yeah. Because we ended up with three people. Piper. Yep. Who did we find? The dying hitman – or – the dying, what Morris what was his name? Yeah, it doesn't even matter. And a mysterious woman <laughs> who we thought we'd never see again. I'm so glad she came back. It was Neve, it was uh, Maura's half sister mm-hmm. from the first book, who vanished in the mirrors. But what I also loved, <laughs> they did so they talked about if you wake a sleeper, you get a favor, <laughs> and they were like going to count when to wake the sleeper, but Piper just ignored the count and was like wake up on her own and that seemed so piper to me i loved it and it also such a piper thing answered some of my questions and i also was kind of surprised neve let that happen can't she see the future doesn't she know better than that i don't know whatever well she wasn't fast enough so we don't know what piper's favor might be but we have the third sleeper who we weren't supposed to wake is awake neve helped do it but didn't get her favor piper got a favor morris is probably dead
1: yeah, because I said he wasn't going to last long. Yeah. I'm just so curious. All right, here's what I'm curious about. Okay. One, what was the favor Piper got? Mm-hmm. Two, why shouldn't the sleeper be woken up? Yes. I forgot my third one. Three, how did
0: Ronan <laughs> get out of the cave? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Gosh. And, like, can we talk – oh, can we also talk about when um, Ronan was dreaming up this stuff that he needed to frame Graham, Green Mantle oh, yeah. And he – dreamed himself dying horribly and then takes that version back with him and makes Adam watch him
0: die. No, this is what happened. He knew he was going to be attacked, so he dreamed up a fake Ronin. Da- oh, yeah, a fake decoy So Ronin. I don't think he brought it back on purpose, but yes. How terrible. Horrible. Oh, my goodness. For everybody involved. I felt,
1: ugh, yeah. Us, like, us
0: included. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I didn't want to have to watch him die horribly. Yeah. That was bad. And now I have no idea what's going to happen.
0: I- <laughs> there are so many characters and so many moving pieces, but I'm glad I feel reconnected to the first book and the third book. I feel like enough. I feel like we were on our quest this time. Yeah. Like waking other sleepers is makes sense to me. It's like clues and distractions and whatever. It was like this random just like let's just deal with dream lives and not talk about and lose the forest. Like this just felt like progress.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I feel like in the next book, we're probably going to meet the other two sleepers, I would hope, and then yes. figure out what the deal is with the one they shouldn't wake up. And I, I'm just.
0: <sighs> okay, here's my other question. So, where was mm-hmm. Gwenny during the stampede of living skeletons or whatever? Oh, wasn't she just like back at home? <laughs> No, she was in the – she was down there, remember? She was, like, kicking over skeletons before they woke them up. Oh, that's right. And then it was, like, Adam and Gainsy got left behind, Ronan and Blue went through, and everybody got out eventually. That's all I know. I just have oh, questions yeah. about the logistics of everything. How they got out.
1: Yes. Yeah, because they didn't – some of them, like, rode skeletons out, but others didn't. So who
0: knows? And even – I can kind of see Gainsy and Adam – getting out the way they came in. Ronan is the one that really bothers me. (laughs) I do not know. He's just stuck at that lake forever. (laughs) Apparently he got out but I have no idea how. Yes. and he was in the
1: dark too because she took his light. Yes. But what we've learned about this book is a lot of stuff doesn't make sense so in a good way.
0: But it doesn't not make sense. I just like it doesn't it's not like it basically this book I'm loving it and I'm also really confused. (laughs) Okay, so we I can know. go back to all the stuff I skipped over. Persephone died.
1: Ugh. Yeah. And she di- She was talking about seeing her own death. And then, like, Adam was saying, like, oh, they had the whole conversation about, like, what it means to see your own death. And then she died. And it was a strange death, too. She was, like, up in
0: the attic? Yeah, I'm kind of confused. So w- was she doing, like, a – did she just lose herself in some kind of psychic meditation thing?
1: guess i I don't
0: but i also felt like she kind of knew it was coming but i also was like if you knew it was coming why didn't you handle it differently yeah i didn't really understand how she died yeah i don't really either What what i liked not liked about it is the wrong thing to say but what i appreciated about the way the story unfolded was no one else it wasn't like everyone else just accepted it it was like a really it was mm-hmm. out of the blue excuse the phrase and it was you know Blue kept talking about I thought I thought death would mean more or I thought Mm -hmm. it would like be like a bigger deal or not a bigger deal but I forget she worded it much more eloquently than I am right now but basically you know it was just like a normal day and a nice day if anything and it had no warning and there was no ceremony Mm
1: -hmm. and she was just gone yeah and it made her realize that like anyone could die her mother could die I know and it was like really shocking to her
0: yeah I wonder. Do you think anyone else is going to die? Gainsey. (gasps) I feel like Adam might die. I feel like Gainsey could come back to life, but I definitely think he has to die at some point.
1: I'm still holding out that he's not going to die. That's going to be my prediction. I'm going to predict that Adam dies.
0: I think Gainsey is going to die, but maybe not stay dead.
1: (laughs) Okay, we'll see who we'll see if our predictions come true did you research anything this week
0: okay so i actually i was researching something and then i couldn't remember if i just was reading the news a lot or if we've already talked about this did we talk about people in caves before no i don't think so like people living in caves are getting trapped in caves so i i looked up like spelunking and then i looked up how to survive in a cave in oh and then i read a lot about that thai soccer team yeah. They got second caves. And then when I was reading about the Thai soccer team, I was like, This seems really familiar but I might have just been reading the news or it might have <laughs> been related to something we had podcast. I don't
1: think we talked about it we we definitely didn't make that part of our research I think we were talking about it at some point because I was like really fixated on that story of the Thai soccer team and I was like watching the rescue like all day when it happened so I was
0: so maybe that was it so anyways yeah. so I did research a lot about spelunking and surviving in caves or surviving in cave-ins or getting lost in caves but then I also looked up a little bit about people who got framed for things they didn't do Ooh. so what would you like to hear more about being framed being framed Uh I knew we were going to say that. Okay, so I have some stories about people who were framed for things they didn't do that we know about that were Mm -hmm. bad. A lot of them involved cops, and I didn't really want to talk about corrupt cops today. This one is about, this is 2010, and it's 3 in the morning in September. And we're in Cleveland, Ohio, let's just say. Because okay. that's actually where we're. I, I'm
1: liking this setup.
0: Uh, and Joseph Melendez calls the police and says a man is chasing him. Mm. And so when they arrive, the guy who called, 18-year-old Gabriel Bracken, claimed or Gabrielle Bracken, claimed that Melendez had held a knife to her throat and tried to rape her. Whoa. But her husband saved her. That's what, this is the claim that this couple makes. Mm -hmm. So this guy, Melendez, was arrested and charged with both abduction and attempted rape. Okay. So the police are working the case and things just aren't really working out. So Gabrielle Bracken's husband, James Bracken, had thought that his wife was having an affair with Melendez. But when he arrived at the house that night, she put into a large knife in the driveway and asked him to pick it up. And once inside, oh, no. Gabrielle brought him upstairs and James attacked him. So Whoa. basically she was setting up. And the plan was just to severely beat Melinda's Although there's some debate if they wanted to kill him in the first place. Whoa. But the fingerprints on the knife were supposed to prove... Like, the story they were going to tell was that James walked in on the rape and was defending his wife. Okay. And the wife went along with it because she wanted to show that she was more loyal to her husband than this other guy that she had been oh my God. cheating on him with. So eventually it was figured out. Some things weren't lining up and a witness came forward or something, but the couple, James and uh, Gabrielle, were charged with fraud and received three years of probation and... Melinda's that's it. eventually sued them and won a settlement of $1.5 million.
1: Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Because that is huge. I mean, being accused of something like that. Yeah. Oof. That could, yeah. He, he didn't, I mean, how long was he in jail for, too?
0: I don't know the details about how long he was in jail, but this is, again, one of my biggest fears, right? Going to jail for something you didn't do.
1: Yeah. I mean, for sure.
0: Well, and to go through all that trouble, like, have someone... Yeah. Like, it's one thing to go to, like, to be mistaken. It's another thing to be framed, I think. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's that's pretty malicious. (laughs) You think? And especially since they were, like
0: possibly trying to kill him. Well, yeah, I think their original plan was to kill him and just whatever. But were they really having an affair? So I think that they were having an affair or they must have at least been close enough. Like, how would you invite this guy over to your house at three in the morning and tell him to pick up a knife in the driveway without some kind of... Without having done that before. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right? (laughs) That's just part of our sex games. (laughs) You pick up
1: knives in the driveway.
0: Okay. And then I read a lot of people who had like Issues with neighbors or other parents at school. Okay. That got out of hand. Oh, no. So this one, this is in 2011 in California. Law enforcement, the police got a tip that there was an impaired driver in the parking lot of the school. And it's the same school where this woman, Kelly Peters, volunteered and served on the PTA. So her car was searched and an officer found... A bunch of drugs. Vicodin, Percocet, marijuana, etc. None of them were hers. Her or some other kid who went to school, his parents planted the drugs in her car after she called their son Slow, apparently. What?
1: Wait, wait, wait. The parents did this?
0: Yeah, so (gasps) this woman, this PTA woman. Oh my god. Supposedly, there's not a lot of evidence. I mean, I don't know the whole story, but supposedly she called some kid and her kid's class or whatever slow and the parents did not take that well to be fair that is not a good thing to tell someone or to call a kid (laughs) yeah but this is also not how you handle it so the parents tried to frame her for drug possession but they also didn't do it right there was like no dna no fingerprints that matched the woman they were trying to frame and so i think i read about this story yeah
1: yeah wasn't it like a a long form article probably maybe I'm thinking of a different case but it was about a woman who got framed like someone planted drugs in her car for the same reason or I don't know if it was the same reason but to try and frame her for something she didn't do or like to retaliate against something
0: I read a lot about corrupt policemen framing people, too. Okay, so Mm -hmm. this is another one. This one. So, the New York City police got three different reports of a man and a woman dressing as police officers and robbing people. And all the different victims described the people doing this and were able to list a license plate number. So, the cops traced back the license plate. They found this black Nissan. They pulled the car over and they found this woman, Simona Sumasar, who was driving it. So, they arrested her and put her in a lineup and the victims were all able to point her out as the woman who had robbed them. Mm. So, again, these were, like, multiple different people who all ended up pointing to this girl. So this woman, she said, I'm innocent. Um, And she had this ex-boyfriend, Jerry Ramrodden, who she claimed was setting her up Mm. because – so this is in May 2010. Or this is between September 2009 and May 2010 when all these reports came in. Okay. So she claimed that in May 2009 – or she did. She accused him of rape, her, the, the ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And he was upset, so she said, he's framing me to get revenge. That's, like, what's going on. Okay. The police didn't believe her. They thought this was, like, a likely crazy story from a guilty person because there's these three completely unconnected witnesses oh, no. who all identified her. So she was indicted, and for seven months she was in prison waiting for trial. And during this time, she was a baker. She lost the bakery. Her house went into foreclosure. Oh, man. Obviously, she was in jail for seven months, which isn't pleasant, yeah. etc. But on November 30th, an unnamed witness came forward and said the whole thing was faked. There had been no robberies, and her ex-boyfriend had convinced and coached the victims to come forward.
1: Whoa. They didn't know
0: each other, and he gave them, like, just enough detail to make it seem legitimate. So eventually, the ex-boyfriend was arrested, found guilty of both the rape and framing her. <sighs> and he is serving 32 years in prison that's crazy that he
1: was able to coach them so well that they fooled everyone for that long
0: well to me yes it's crazy i mean it's kind of crazy he coached them but it's also crazy to me that like enough random people went for it like yeah why would you agree to lie about something that would put someone away
1: i have no idea i mean did he pay them off maybe
0: I mean, I didn't, I didn't hear enough. You he
1: must have.
0: There's not enough detail in this article, but... Yeah. I mean, or else they owed him money or... Yeah, something yeah. must have happened, God. but yeah. Oh, oh here's another kind of interest. terrifying. I mean, these are all, like, my worst nightmare, but... Yeah. So there's this lawyer, Matt Kostelnik. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Kostelnik? Okay. Yeah. So he lives in Minnesota, and he had moved into a new home and whatever, and... There was this MySpace page that was created with his name that was posting child pornography. Oh, God. And below the child pornography picture, it was bragging, like, I'm such a great lawyer. I can get away with doing this because I can talk my way out of it or whatever. Oh, my goodness. And then some pictures were sent from an email account with his name to his coworkers, yeah. along with a sexual message to a female coworker, and all this stuff. And so this guy is like, This isn't me. I swear it's not me. Yeah. So in May 2009, the Secret Service visited his office because they were looking, they were investigating emails from a Yahoo account in his name that came from his IP address know and the emails they were looking into contained different death threats for like joe biden and some other politicians and again he's like this isn't me i've never sent yeah. these emails so his law firm ended up using a forensic computer scientist and they found evidence that his neighbor barry <gasps> ardolf 46 year old barry ardolf had been messing with their internet connection because the first day they had moved into their new house so again the costal had just moved into a new house their son wandered into <laughs> Ardolf's yard, and Ardolf had picked up the toddler and brought him back to his parents, and I guess he kissed the boy on the lips when he gave him hmm. back.
1: Yeah, that's not right.
0: And his parents were obviously creeped out, so they called the police, and then Ardolf, I guess, was upset about the way things played out, so he bought some software and spent two weeks trying to like break into their Wi-Fi and sending all these emails Whoa. out. That's psychotic. Yeah, so he was And he was offered a plea deal, which he turned down, and he ended up getting an 18-year sentence and has to register as a sex offender when he is or was released from jail. I'm not sure. But
1: that lawyer, like, I feel like his reputation must have been destroyed, even though it was proved that he didn't do it. Like,
0: Well, again, and a lot lot of these stories, I mean, we were talking about the last one, like, she lost her bakery, her house was foreclosed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of these are stories about lawyers or even cops, or um, some of them are unarmed black men in the wrong place at the wrong time with corrupt police officers or you know you get a lot of those Mm -hmm. kind of stories and it's just it even if you didn't do anything wrong and even if it's found out that you didn't do anything wrong it's hard to bounce back from it can a take a while b hurt your reputation and c cause all kinds of other problems so
1: yeah oh this is freaking me out
0: those are probably I don't even know if best is the right word. Those were the stories I was looking forward to telling you. Most alarming stories. Yeah. I also did the research how to break a curse.
1: Oh, I think we all need to learn that.
0: I felt like after reading this book, I felt like I should know. And this article first started with, you know, curses are real. These definitely happen still today, etc. So the first thing you should do if you think you've been cursed is figure out if you have been cursed. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, just get any deck of cards around your house. Remove the jacks from the deck. Shuffle them mindfully asking the question, "Have I been cursed?" Hmm. So, we've seen this a little bit in the book, like while you're dealing with cards, you should be thinking about a question you have, right? Yeah. So, when the deck is shuffled, place it face down and pull cards from the deck until you get to an ace or until there are only 10 cards left in the deck and then leave that pile face up. Repeat the process two more times so you end with three face up piles. Hmm. if you end up with no aces in your face-up pile that means you're not cursed oh but for every ace you have showing you have a (laughs) one-third chance that you have been cursed so if you end up if you end up with three aces you've definitely been cursed oh and this process will not tell you who cursed you just that you have been cursed okay
1: and what do you do to break it
0: so how to get rid of a curse It says, like, if you're into witchcraft, you may want to talk to someone who knows more than you or read some different (laughs) books about it, but if you'd like this one curse gone without getting too much into it, there's a simple ritual, so we're going to go into that, and you don't need to believe in magic to do this ritual. Okay. So, you just, during any new moon or any Thursday, if you can't wait for a new moon. (laughs) Any Thursday. (laughs) But it recommends a new moon, if possible. At dawn, dusk noon or midnight so one of those four times you need to draw yourself pretty much any time of day (laughs) yes draw yourself a bath and get a cup or two of salt ready and say this prayer Mm. in the name of my ancestors my gods and myself i call upon thee O creatures of earth and water come forth cleanse insert name of target of all evil and alien magic and restore them me it to balance and health by our mm-hmm. wills combined, so mote it be.
1: I feel like I should just do that now.
0: <laughs> then pour the salt into your bath, then get into the bath and relax for at least 10 minutes, calming yourself. Make sure you're completely submerged in the salt water at at least one point. And when you're ready to get out, wash every single inch of your body so that all the salt water is washed away. And then you say another prayer I thank thee, O creatures of earth and water, in the name of myself, my gods, and my ancestors be released to your homes doing no harm on your way and return to me with glad hearts when next you are summoned by our wills combined so mote to be so it's like a cleansing ritual yeah i i feel like everyone could use that but they also so at the end of this article they recommend that you protect yourself from future curses especially because you don't know who placed the curse on you in the first place so mm. you might need some banishment to prevent it from happening again Oh, okay and in addition to casting any kind of routine protection spell their recommendation is to be nice to others
1: no <laughs> i like that
0: and practice good magic if you practice magic so if you're a good witch good magic will come back to you and if you curse others curses are easier to like they'll hit you easier Ooh.
1: so, so like just, good karma Practice yeah. good karma i like that advice Yeah, it was interesting. Now that makes me want to take an Epsom salt bath.
0: Yeah. And I'll just sum up. I could say a lot more, but I'm just going to sum up what I read about uh, spelunking and surviving in caves. And I would say just don't go in a cave alone. (laughs) That's going to be my main piece of advice. And bring some extra warm weather gear if you do go into a cave even with other people. But good news is most people are found if they're in a cave. You should try not to panic. You should probably stay where you are. You should stay warm and hydration is your main concern. You can mm. live for a long time without food. That's all I'm going to say about cave. You should do more research. Don't go into a cave without doing your research. Without doing your research. That's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's my advice. I don't think I'll
1: go into a cave just in general, <laughs> especially not after reading this book.
0: No, I'm kind of scared about caves. Although I am impressed. So they were like all on a rope line and stuff, especially the first time they went mm-hmm. in. Have you ever been on a rope line before? Uh, you know what? No, I don't think I have been. The summer after I graduated high school, I spent three weeks in the Alaskan Outback. And we did a lot of glacier work. So we were on a glacier mm. for probably a week. And so, yeah, we were all on a rope team. And you're like tied into each other. And you're before you even go out on the ice, you practice the weight of someone falling and being able to pull them, stop yourself and then pull them up.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's helpful. But so
0: that, it was like the loneliest thing to be with other people because you're like at least 10 feet away or you can't really talk to each other. Yeah. And you're just like kind of waiting for someone to fall (laughs) and like stop them or fall yourself because you're walking on snow and you can't see what's underneath you. And if you fall into a crevasse, (gasps) it could be scary, but that's why you have the rope team because the idea is the weight of other people and they can pull you up and all this stuff. So it's actually a really safe way to travel.
1: Okay, it's not like if one falls, everyone falls.
0: Well, hopefully not. That's why you practice okay. before you go out there. But yeah, I mean, like in a super dangerous world, yes, if no one's paying attention, one person mm-hmm. falls and drags everyone else down. But the idea would that's be what
1: would happen if I ever did it.
0: Well, that's why. I mean, they always put me in the middle. I don't, oh, <laughs> don't know no. what they're trying to say, but <laughs> but there's some funny pictures of me too because we were just like on an ice cliff pulling ourselves up with our different ropes and we learned all these different knots so it was really hard to pull yourself up this is not even when we fell we were just trying to go up this little like
1: I believe it just to practice
0: because the main thing you do before you go into a situation is how do you survive so you don't panic how do you you know I think I told you the story I was we learned how to self arrest the first day of this trip which Mm -hmm. is if you start falling down a mountain like how do you stop yourself from falling all the way down I was mm. the only person who had to use it in real life. Oh no. <laughs> I lost my footing and I was just sliding down this mountain and everyone's yelling oh my at me. Oh god, that's so scary. It was so scary and we practiced without any weight on our backs, which is not smart. And I had I was carrying 65% of my body weight on my back. Oh, so it was geez. really hard cuz the first thing you have to do is like flip over to your stomach so you can like grab the ice and kick your feet in. Mm. Um, so it was like the hardest part of it. And it was like even if I fell down this sp- Whole part of the mountain, it wasn't that dangerous, but there were a bunch of grizzly bears at the bottom, as close as we ever came to grizzly bears. So I was Whoa. freaking out.
1: <laughs> so you were sliding down an ice cliff into a pit of grizzly bears.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pretty much.
1: Jeez. That. Oh. And here I am today. Have you ever gone back to do it again?
0: No. Yeah.
1: But I would, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Without the grizzly bears, maybe. <laughs> oh that's
0: funny but yeah it's funny my friend still talks about it. he's like i should remember yelling self-arrest i was like i remember you yelling at me and not being able to turn over oh god but, but i'm fine everyone Okay. <laughs> i've never been bit by a grizzly bear
1: <laughs> you made it out alive <laughs>
0: Anyways, what did you research?
1: Um, well, I was really interested in, obviously, Gwen Lan, Um And I really liked when they <laughs> Gwenny, were... Good old Gwenny. <laughs> good old Gwen. Uh, I really liked when they were talking about the idea of shill graves and um, graves being used as a decoy for you know very famous graves.
0: Mm -hmm. That was interesting.
1: Yeah so I started researching like first I started researching shill graves and not a lot came up. So then I just started researching um, grave
0: robbing. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But I came. (laughs) Well that was the idea though. That's why you have the shell grave right? Yeah to prevent prevent grave robbing. Okay but Okay, that was another question I had. Would that actually prevent grave robbing or just make it harder?
1: I think it would just make it harder because, like, they'd spend all their time trying to get to that grave and then it would be the wrong one and then, and then I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, if the treasure was good enough, you'd keep looking, though.
1: Right. Well, uh, so I, I was researching grave robbing. A lot of the issue with grave robbing was, um, like, especially during the 1700s and 1800s, uh, cadavers were in high demand Because, like, anatomy doctors wanted to work on them to, like, learn about, you know, human anatomy. And so they basically said, basically, like, there was a law that required corpses that were used for medical research could only come from, you know, people who died in prison or, um, you know, other types of people. So there was, like, strict rules on, like, what type of body you could use for medical research. And because of that, there was a really high demand for corpses, and so it led to an increase in grave robbing uh, and body snatching by people who were known as resurrection men. And that's such a
0: cool title, by the way.
1: <laughs> resurrection men, yeah. And yeah. so they would rob coffins of people who were recently buried, so they could provide fresh corpses to these, you know, medical research doctors. But the thing was, is like the corpse had to be in a not advanced state of decomposition. Okay. So a lot of it was just um, how to prevent, like, once a corpse was decayed, they, they knew it wouldn't be stolen. So a lot of it was to prevent, like, early grave robbing. But I guess, um,
0: so. Why don't you just keep your corpse until it starts to decay and then. Well, bury some it?
1: people did. Some oh. people, that was, like, one of the tactics they used. So I also wow. researched tactics to prevent grave robbing. Okay. But what started it was the Burke and Hare murders. Have you heard of that?
0: No. Or at least I don't recognize the name.
1: It was a series of 16 killings that were committed um, in 1828 in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, William Burke and William Hare uh, sold the corpses for dissection at this man named Robert Knox for his anatomy lectures. So they basically couldn't find cadavers to use so they they went on a killing spree and actually killed people for the purpose of selling their bodies so it was
0: more worth it to them <laughs> to kill somebody for the money than to find yeah. a dead person for the money
1: okay They f- and they were given seven pounds per body
0: is that a lot of money back in the day i,
1: I guess i don't i must be I mean, I mean it must be it must be yeah. worth killing someone for yeah my gosh um so then i started researching ways that people would try to just you know discourage grave robbering yeah so there was this thing called um the cemetery gun and it was invented in the 1700s and it was a weapon that you would mount at the foot of a grave and it could rotate 360 degrees and basically the gun was rigged with uh, trip tripwires so it would catch thieves entering at night and if a thief triggered it the gun would swing in their direction and fire. Wow. Yeah. And eventually So if you want a body, they'll
0: give you yours.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, the resurrected men become the resurrected. They so then eventually the resurrection men like caught on to this and so they their plan around it to avoid getting shot was they would send women into the grave site during the daytime as fake mourners. And then the women would report back to them so they knew which locations had a cemetery gun. Hmm. this is also kind of sad, so these guns were not cheap; they were rented by the week, and they were really expensive and it was wow. it was designed basically to to protect the body long enough to make it useless to sell as a medical school cadaver and so in the end, only rich people could afford it and so it meant that the bodies of you know lower class citizens were easily targeted
0: so why didn't people I mean so it must have been like a sales pitch or like a negative thing somehow to donate your body to science right yeah I guess so like because especially if you were poor and you couldn't afford to protect the body you would think there might be more people who would sell the body but no
1: yeah so was it like
0: a superstitious thing or was it a
1: I think it was just like I want my relative to be in peace, people. You know? I mean,
0: people wanted to be buried because they believed yeah. that that brought like a different, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. I think that's still true in a lot of ways.
1: Totally, yeah. Um, so there was also such a, th- a thing called the torpedo coffin torpedo. <laughs> so this was invented in 1878, and it was basically the same thing as the cemetery gun, but it was a torpedo that was attached to a coffin, and it would be discharged. Um, if someone would try to open up the coffin. And basically, it's like this torpedo that explodes on you. And there were two men who uh, in 1881, there were a group of body snatchers who tried to steal a body and a tor- the torpedo the coffin torpedo went off and it killed one man and it blew the other one's leg off. Wow. So the torpedoes were designed to like do serious damage. And then other um, methods well, were.
0: I feel like torpedoes are always designed to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, they were not for. Torpedo around. I know of that's like the just the <laughs> casual torpedo, <that. laughs>
1: just a warning
0: torpedo. <laughs> Another
1: method was to fill graves with liquid mercury. So this was really popular. Well, not really popular. This was um, occurred. In the grave of the Chinese Emperor Qin, he had a tomb and he um, his grave was filled with liquid mercury to prevent people from stealing his body.
0: I mean, that's that's all fair.
1: Yeah, I know. They also think that there may be like religious significance around mercury and uh, it might have some special meaning, but it definitely prevented uh, people from trying to mess with a grave.
0: How long until it was considered too decomposed to be... that's a good question i don't know okay because i'm curious like if it was like a week maybe you could like take shifts and like guard the grave or something but if it's yeah
1: some people did they hired bodyguards
0: but if it's three months or or, or five you know i mean like it's kind of interesting to think about what could you afford to do
1: (laughs) well also um it wasn't i mean there are also cases of like george pullman in chicago he was like not a popular man because he cut jobs and cut wages and really angered his employees and when he died his family was concerned that people would dig him up to like desecrate his body Hmm. so they buried him in a pit that was eight feet deep and lined with steel reinforced concrete and then his casket was covered in asphalt concrete and steel So, like, that could be another reason why you would prevent people from messing with your body if you thought they might try to do something to it. And then, I didn't know this, but Charlie Chapman, his body was stolen and ransomed. So, Hmm. someone stole his body and then his widow received a call and they asked for $600,000 for the return of her husband's body.
0: That makes me just want to either donate my body myself or get cremated or something.
1: Yeah. Well, or you could do what Shakespeare did, which is... What did he do? Speaking of curses, he... <laughs> Speaking of
0: Shakespeare, just like
1: us. <laughs> exactly. It all ties back. Look at us. He set a curse upon anyone who tried to move his body. So before he died... Well, I can, I can take a salt bath. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I don't
0: know. A Shakespeare
1: curse? You need a lot fair, of salt for that, fair. I feel.
0: Yes. He needed to get the words exactly right.
1: Yeah. Uh, before he died, he wrote one final message and it said good friend for jesus sake forbear to dig the dust enclosed here blessed be the man that spares these stones and cursed be he that moves my bones eloquent yeah i mean that's shakespeare (laughs) (laughs) that's him so i thought that was a little bit of interesting information
0: on grave robbing that is good so question though yes if you're waking a non-dead person Mm mm-hmm you're not robbing their grave, right? It's <sighs> a good question. <laughs> I mean, you're not robbing it technically. <laughs> I don't I don't know. This gets tricky, right? Yeah. It's a gray line here.
1: Okay. What was your Glendor wish of the week?
0: Um, to remember our research from week to week. <laughs> okay. What's <laughs> yours? <laughs>
1: Um, mine's gonna be... This is silly, but I am at... Oh,
0: mine is not silly. Mine was totally serious.
1: (laughs) My wish is... I've read, like, 57 books this year, and I want to get to 60 before the end of the year.
0: I am reading my 60th book right now. Ah! And when I finish it, I will have read more pages this year than the last... all the years I've been tracking.
1: Wow, that's impressive. That's a silly wish, but, you know... No, it's of a it's, goal, really. as someone
0: who's actively tracking these things, I do not <laughs> think it's silly at all.
1: Okay, should we talk about the next book?
0: Yes. The fourth and final book in the Raven Cycle.
1: Oh, I don't want to say goodbye. Well, we we have another whole book. I know, but they go so fast. I know they do. Okay, this book is called The Raven King, and we are reading up to chapter 33.
0: Yes, you want to read the back, or is it my turn? I forget.
1: Uh, I I, don't, I think it's your turn.
0: Okay. Nothing living is safe nothing dead is to be trusted for years Gainsey has been on a quest to find a lost king one by one he's drawn others into this quest ronan who steals from dreams adam whose life is no longer his own noah whose life is no longer a life and blue who loves Gainsey and is certain she is destined to kill him mm-hmm. now the end game has begun dreams and nightmares are converging love and loss are inseparable And the quest refuses to be pinned to a path. Dun, dun, dun. So we're going to get all of our answers, I think. Everything's coming to a head.
1: Oh, I really hope so. I really hope we meet this Raven King.
0: I don't even care about him. Is that bad? I mean, like, I do, like, I want them to find him, but I don't really, like, care about who he is.
1: Are you more like Gainesy? You're just in it for the journey, not the destination? I'm just, yes, (laughs) I am. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, Do you have a joke for me this week?
0: I do. From my book. What's brown and sounds like a bell? Oh, I don't know. Dung. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that terribly awesome? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Alrighty. Oh.
1: That was if good. you want
0: to talk to us about songs or jokes or books or really anything. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook at mnktalkya or email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye, bookworms. <laughs> Go get a library card. <laughs>